a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Do you remember back in 2011 when President Obama took to the floor of the United States House of Representatives to deliver his State of the Union address? Well, in that, he discussed something he described as a Sputnik moment for this generation. Here, Listen to this quick clip from the State of the Union address delivered again by President Obama in 2011. Half a century ago, when the Soviets beat us into space with the launch of a satellite called Sputnik, we had no idea how we would beat them to the moon. The science wasn't even there yet. NASA didn't exist. But after investing in better research and education, we didn't just surpass the Soviets. We unleashed a wave of innovation that created new industries and millions of new jobs. This is our generation's Sputnik moment. I remember almost 10 years ago when that speech was delivered, and I remembered the president's call uh, for a redoubled focus and an emphasis on STEM education. That's science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, but, But I'd forgotten about it for some time. And I picked up a copy of the Deseret News the other day, and there was a guest opinion piece written by Rick Larson, president of the Sutherland Institute, where he, under the headline, The Quality of Our Future Depends Upon Understanding Our Past. And he makes the argument that we have arrived at a period of time where we need to refocus our efforts, similar to the call made by President Obama to have a Sputnik moment, but this time for a focus on education, civics and history. Civics and history need to be emphasized, as was STEM some time ago. To explain why he feels that way and share other thoughts with us during this election season, I welcome to the program Rick Larson, president of the Sutherland Institute. Rick, sir, how are you? I'm well, Lee. Thanks for for hosting me. Well, I'm grateful to have you on the program. Thanks for making some time in your day. T- tell me, tell me what led you to to write a piece like this, and why you feel it's so important. Well, a, a number of things contribute, but let's let's go back to the Sputnik moment speech. So, the priorities that President Obama was trying to address at that point had to do with our global standing, our economic growth. Um, national security, all of these things became critical because technology was such an emerging force uh, economically, socially, in every way. It occurred to me, if that was true then, if you look at what's going on around us today and the, the election we're living is yet another example, how can those same elements not be equally true when it comes to our understanding of our own history and what civic engagement means? The original intent of education was to create enlightened citizens who'd protect the republic. What if we 
fail to educate and enlighten those citizens, what happens to the republic? It, it, it can't stand. Exactly, exactly. In fact, I'll take it a step farther. This decline in, in, a, in a focus on history and civics has been going on long enough that we are now beginning to elect to the United States Congress representatives who don't understand how to govern and actually hold the very institution they've been elected to serve in in contempt because of that misunderstanding. So the layers to this become deep and significant in a hurry. Are the are those views being carried into elected office? Are they anomalous, or do you see some sort of trend that needs course correction? Well, I see a trend that needs course correction because it happened quite gradually. Um, so we've proven over history. Uh, we we proved it, you know, in in the nineteen in nineteen fifty seven. We proved it again in two thousand eleven. We can reprioritize our education priorities when properly motivated. Well, the decline in curriculum has been going on for a long time, and most people are shocked to hear how minimal the requirements are in any type of history and civics to graduate from high school in Utah, for instance. Very inadequate half units here and there of world history, social studies. And then you add to that inadequate requirement the fact that we've got new curriculums, not necessarily accurate, but ideologically driven, like the 1619 Project, now being taught in over 4,000 classrooms across the country. Well, that 1619 would be an interesting thing to analyze against accurate history and civics. But standalone, it's an inaccurate view of history. It's an incomplete view of history. So I do think we're reaching a bit of a crisis point where if we don't pay attention to this, we're already feeling the effects, and it's time to make a stand. One thing I enjoyed about your piece, again, published in the Deseret News under the headline, The Quality of Our Future Depends Upon Understanding Our Past, is that you, you present what you view as an issue, a trend, a troubling trend, uh, a lack of understanding of uh, American history and civics in our country and, and how that has made its way into the minds of some elected office holders. Uh, what you do is you don't on, you don't only uh, point out what you view as the problem, uh, but you also share uh, a number of what could be solutions. Before we get to that, though, I want to I want to uh, share with you, just read to you one of your own lines and ask you to explain. Uh, there's a line in your write up here that says, "What we are witnessing is akin to the personal moment when we realize our parents are not perfect." What does that mean, sir? Well, <laughs> my attempt here is to bring this down to a, a very basic level of understanding that we can all relate to. I think most adults recognize that moment when they first looked at one or both of their parents and thought, oh, my goodness, they're human beings. They, they make mistakes. They struggle. They did the best they could. Um, I now, as an adult and a parent, I might do things differently, but I don't lose appreciation for the sacrifice and the efforts and the love and the commitment that was shown towards me by imperfect parents. Now, having become an imperfect parent, you gain a little bit of a perspective. When it comes to the history of our nation, we're looking back at our founders, at those who who birthed this nation and we benefit from. And we're not just saying, okay, there were imperfections. There are things we should learn. Let's do better than that. We are, in many cases, choosing to erase their existence based on their imperfections. What does that do to our understanding of history? Yeah. 
Uh, we're speaking with Rick Larson, president of the Sutherland Institute, uh, talking about something he views as as the need to revive something akin to a Sputnik moment, re- referred to by President Obama in a 2011 State of the Union uh, address. There are some troubling realities uh, in education, in elected leadership, some attitudes that seem to be void of civics and American history and the consequences of you know misunderstanding them. You bring up some some solutions, some potential positive action steps that might uh, kind of stem the tide of this of this trend. And you mentioned parents in, in a number of these steps, uh, parental responsibility. What do parents need to do? Well, our form of freedom depends on personal responsibility and being accountable as citizens. So a couple of things that just come to mind. First of all, parents are seeing in a unique way what their kids are learning or not learning in school because part of it's at home. It's online. They can see instruction being delivered. They're seeing the text and the shared documents. And and I'm getting calls almost daily of parents saying, when did they start teaching this or when did they stop teaching that? So the first thing we need to do is be aware. And And I share some anecdotes in this particular piece, but I also want to say anecdotes are not enough. We're doing some deep dive research district by district across the state. We want to understand what the guidelines are because parents should know what the curriculum guidelines are that affect their children. And they should know whom they elect that set those guidelines. So those are two important steps that parents can take right now by learning what their kids are learning and by understanding who set those rules, who set that curriculum. Uh, Because at the end of the day, we voted, whoever that is, we voted them into office. And we have the ability to change those standards with our vote and with our uh, increased awareness. Yeah. Uh, Rick Larson, president of the Sutherland Institute. Sir, I have to end the conversation here. I wish you could continue. I have plenty of questions and would love to continue this conversation. But for those interested in reading this wonderful piece, the quality of our future depends on understanding our past. I'll have that shared on my Facebook page. You can click on it there or find it at Deseret.com. Uh, Mr. Larson, thanks again for your time. Thanks to you, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, it'll be 20 minutes on the 2020 election. We'll speak with Boyd Matheson. We'll speak with the newly elected uh, state auditor, John Frugal Dougal, uh, as an interesting fact about the number of votes he received. I'll share those with you after the break on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.